Welcome to the Palm Harvest Podcast. We are a community in Costa Mesa, California. To know more about us, visit our website, palmharvest.com. To follow along with today's message, download the Palm Harvest app and click on Sermon Notes. Thank you for listening. Reverse engineer your ambition, the mechanics of a healthy ambition. So what is ambition, right? We're going to get to that, but my friends just got their U.S. citizenship. Do you think that would be a great ambition to have? That would be for me. You know, I've been waiting about 16 years, and you know, I know my mom's been waiting for a long time too. And that sounds like an ambition we'd love to attain. And guess what? My friends just got it. Him and his wife, his kids were born here, so they're already U.S. citizens. And now they just moved back to Europe. <laughs> right? Right? How does that sound like? It, does, it sounds like, man, somebody, right? Somebody's treasure is somebody else. No, somebody's trash is somebody else's treasure, right, sometimes. But they moved for a good reason. They're going to be working for this amazing bicycle company, and it was an opportunity for them to be kind of close to their family back in Italy. So they're in Czech, Czech or whatever you say it, <laughs> Republic, Czech Republic, uh, in Europe. And I thought, man, here I am waiting for this thing, and the first time these guys get it, the second, the next day, they got the U.S. citizenship, the next day, they're on their flight back to Europe. How is that sound for an ambition? And another one, I, would have, I was at a soccer game. How many of you guys are fans of soccer? Yeah, football, the actual football, you know, with your feet, right? So anyways, I'm a fan of soccer, and I haven't been to a soccer game in years, in years, until a few weeks ago, uh, Cam, who is uh, Mike's son-in-law, he invited me to go to the Los Angeles LAFC game. Now, he couldn't make it because he got COVID, and I invited my good friend David. And maybe that's even where we got COVID because the stadium was packed. <laughs> but anyways, what an epic game. It was so fun. So they have this whole section of the stadium where the supporters are. And they're chanting throughout the whole game, like the entire two hours. These guys are chanting song after song, like, hey, LAFC. So enthusiastic that even the people I was sitting by, you know, at the beginning of the game, they're like, okay, this looks pretty interesting, right? And as the game evolved, you know, you see people, and maybe a few drinks later too, you see people dancing and chanting, and it's almost like everybody's locking arms. And then... Guess what happened? Well, the striker for LAFC scores a goal. Yeah, you know, the crowd's going crazy. We're up in the score. And then, you know, on the speakers, they say, Carlos, and all the stadium, Vela, like the last name, right? Carlos, Vela, Carlos, Vela. Oh, man, it was so amazing, like so epic. I'm a fan of this team. I got myself the hat. I got myself the swag. I got my kids like LAFC shirts. I'm like, this guy's got to experience this someday because it's so epic. It's so fun. And 
they won the game, right? So it's even more exciting when your team wins the game. So I'm a fan of Los Angeles, LAFC, I gotta admit it. But come back home, and then I'm watching a Mexico game versus Canada, right? You guys don't care about soccer, let's be honest, but it's fun, right? And for the rest of the world, they love it. <laughs> so anyways, I'm watching a, a Mexico game, and I tell my sister, hey, isn't it curious that Carlos Vela is like a great striker for LAFC? How come he's not in Mexico's national team? And she says, well, don't you know? I'm like, know what? Well, Carlos Vela, he, he doesn't even like soccer. I'm like, what are, what are you talking about? He doesn't, I mean, I just saw him. I was at the stadium, he's scoring, the crowd's chanting, everybody's going crazy. It was so good. No, yeah, yeah, he said before that, no, soccer, it's almost like a secondary passion, you know, maybe six million bucks a year, kind of like a good gig, pays good, but not really his, his main ambition, his main passion, maybe a means to an end. And I had to look it up. I was like, I can't believe it. So I went to like my, you know, the main source for, for proper news, for truth, Telemundo. Telemundo Noticias. And there it is. Carlos Vela, the ungrateful soccer player who doesn't like soccer. How about that for a title? <laughs> who doesn't like soccer? And then I click on the video and there's this gal, and right now she tells about what he has said, that he'd rather watch an NBA game rather than watching a soccer game. I'm like, are you kidding me? Who is this guy? So anyways, ambition. What is ambition? Well, I looked it up on the main source for truth on the internet, right? <laughs> Google. So I Google ambition, and it says, ambition is a strong desire to do or to achieve something, typically requiring determination and hard work. Now, let me read that last part again, because for some of you, you're thinking, yeah, the opposite of that is communism, right? Typically, typically requiring determination and hard work. You don't get things for free, right? You pursue your ambition. But today's message is reverse engineer your ambition. So I guess all of us have goals, all of us have plans, all of us have things that we are looking for where maybe soccer is not even your ambition, but this other thing is, and soccer is just your means to that and to that ambition that you really have. So today I want us to reverse engineer our ambition. Now, what do I mean when I say reverse engineer? Well, we're gonna go to the end of your ambition. You know, some people in, in the business world, they call this the, your vivid vision, you know, the the one thing, the secret, right? And it's like this one thing that you are going after that nobody else is, only you, and we're gonna reverse engineer that. So picture right now, having whatever it is that your ambition is. Picture you're already there. You're already at the end. And now we're gonna work backwards from the end goal onto now. Does that sound good? So that's reverse engineering 
your ambition. So I'll give you five seconds, because we're on the internet, so five seconds is a lot, to think about your ambition and about the end goal, and you're there already. You have it in your mind? All right, I hope so. So it's like opening a computer and seeing the components and working our way back. So a few weeks ago, I started this men's group with now my good friend, Ben Glassman. He's with Legacy Makers and he's got a beautiful nonprofit where he pours into families to attain their, their family purpose and goals. And anyways, we're reading this book written by Ed Cole, who had a worldwide man's ministry. I mean, the guy was amazing, was epic. And in his book, he's got like a couple of phrases that I feel like are so relatable to our topic today. When we reverse engineer our ambition, he says, when the charm wears off, you have nothing but character left. When the charm wears off, when you reverse engineer your ambition, what are you made of? Life is composed of our choices, constructed by our words, and revealed by our character. So that's the goal for reversing engineering our ambition. We want to know what we're made of. We want to know what's our character, what's our ambition, our dreams, our hopes built upon. Does that sound good? Are you up for the challenge? Okay, I think you are because let me tell you real quick, self-improvement industry statistics. This is a big deal. So a lot of people, when you hear reverse engineer your ambitions, like, hey, that sounds like it could benefit me. Let's check it out. Market research state that by 2022, we'll have an estimated growth of 13.2 billion. So the self-improvement industry is gonna be at 13.2 billion industry by next year, right? It's a big deal. Deepak Chopra, and I hope I'm saying it right, uh, net worth is estimated to be $150 million. Not pesos, dollars, okay? <laughs> now, millennials are the generation that is the most interested in self-improvement. Isn't that interesting? Millennials are the generation that is most interested in self-improvement. And the average consumer of self-help products is a woman between the age of 40 and 50. You know you're out there, <laughs> right? Um, around 97 million Americans consider weight loss to be their primary goal. The majority of... Now, this is my favorite one, and this is the last one. The majority of self-help books are written by men, while the majority of self-help readers are women. Ah, so interesting. So anyways, self-help is a big deal in the world. Everybody's looking at, how can I get better? How can I become, no, how can I pursue my ambition and attain my goals and you know, be satisfied with my life? Well, Paul, who's Paul? We're gonna look today at this guy named Paul, and he's a scholar, a theologian, an influencer. He's pretty much the Jeff Bezos of Christianity. Maybe minus a few bucks here and there, <laughs> right? But in terms of influence, I mean, can you think of, a, of another name? If you think about the Bible, even the Bible itself, 
most of the New Testament was written by this guy, Paul. So imagine the influence that he's had on Christianity, on the history of our belief, on discipleship. This guy is the main influencer for Christ. I mean, besides Christ himself, it's almost like Jesus is massive, right? The Jeff Bezos. So let's go over to the Bible because we're here to read Scripture. Romans 15, verse 20. And we're going to find out what this man's ambition was. Paul the Apostle's ambition. Is it okay to even have an ambition as a believer? Right? Or what do we mean when we say ambition? I thought that's, that's like a greedy thing to pursue. Well, let's check it out. Romans 15, um, verse 20. So it says, Paul writing, My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken in the scriptures, where it says, those who have never been told about him will see, and those who have never heard about him will understand. Now, if you are an underliner, that means you have an actual Bible in front of you. These are... Five words, six words I want you to underline. My ambition. Now, that also depends if you have this version on your paper Bible. But if you do, underline my ambition has been to preach the good news where the name of Christ. And then underline has never been heard. And then underline this one. I have been, underline, following the plan. Because pretty much Paul is laying out here how his ambition works. All right? So I want to tell you six mechanics of a healthy ambition that we're going to discover through this man, Paul. Are you ready? The first one that we can find in these verses is that your ambition is unique. Right? We read it right here. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been preached. It's unique. He doesn't want to step on anybody else's shoes or build upon anybody else's foundation. It's like, I'm starting the work from the get-go. How do you feel when other people have the positions that you wish you had? How do you feel when somebody else gets the position that you wish you had? The position you aspire for? How do you feel when your friends get the citizenship and you haven't yet? Right? Do you cheer them up? Do you encourage them? Do you applaud? Do you say, yes, I'm excited for you? Or is there any... You know, this is, this is how we can know if, if our ambitions are healthy or not, right? If there's envy, if, if you wish you were in that position and you think, man, if I was there, I would do things like this and this and that. And, you know, you're no good. As musicians, that happens a lot. You know, I don't know who's, who might be watching or you yourself who are here. I know it happens a lot, right? When you go to a place and you see these amazing people playing, you're like, I could do better than that, right? 
And then you show up here and it's like, hey, man, David's a great, great player, right? Great singer. Now I'm not saying Michael ever said that. I'm just, as musicians, we do that all the time. Wherever we go, it's like, I could do it better. I could do it better, right? Well, let's go to the second point. Your ambition, healthy, is unique. Second point that we find in this scripture that we just read. A healthy ambition follows a plan. Does that sound cool or not? Do you like to ask for directions? I don't. <laughs> right? And Millie's always telling me, Beto, just ask for directions right now. And I dare to say that there's people that hated asking for directions so much that they invented, invented Google Maps. Like, it's like, I'm never going to ask for directions again. I'd rather scan the whole world so that this device can tell me where to go rather than go ask somebody, hey, how do I get there? Right? Some of us don't like to ask for directions, but Paul is saying right here, I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures. Isn't that cool? He's laying out what a healthy ambition looks like. Following a plan. And now for some of you who are you know, into coaching or business and things like that, uh, you know Paul is smart. Right? Because Paul is following how specific, how measurable, how achievable, how realistic, and how timely is this goal or this ambition. Right? That's what we use in coaching. Action plans. That's so cool. So we already have two. And by the way, this is all on your Palm Harvest app. Um, so first, mechanic of a healthy ambition is unique. Second, it follows a plan. Now, before we get to the third one, I was looking on, you know where, I'm not even going to say it again, but the 100 most powerful and poignant closing lines from literature. And I'm going to read you my favorite three just because I want to go to the final book of Acts, um, the final chapter in the book of Acts. But I thought, I wonder, you know, when I read the book of Acts, it's, it's like a weird book to me because it feels like it ends abruptly. You're reading it and then it's talking about the disciples in Jerusalem, how they were spread out. Then it talks about Peter and miracles here and there and all of a sudden he's talking about Paul. And not only that, then he's talking about he is with Paul. So now he starts narrating we. Like we are traveling, we are doing this, we are doing that. So it's like, wow, I mean, who, who's this guy, right? And the author of... of um, the book of Acts is Luke, who was a Gentile. And I thought, man, why, why did you write a, a book that's and so abruptly? So I thought, well, let's look at some of the most powerful and poignant closing lines from literature and see why, by the way, Acts 28 didn't make it to this list. So, gone with the wind. After all, tomorrow is another day. Ah, that sounds beautiful. Harry Potter. <laughs> Any fans of Harry Potter? Uh, the scar had not pained Harry for 19 years. All was well. Ah, the scar. Right? A movable feast by Ernest Hemingway. 
But this is how Paris was in the early days when we were very poor and very happy. Wow. I'm in. 100 most powerful and poignant closing lines from literature. And then I have one more, but I'm just not going to read it because we won't have time. It's pretty long. But now let's go to, let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 28. And let's see maybe why it didn't make the top 100. So if you're ready, Acts 28, verse 30. Now the cool thing about what we're about to read, this is Paul at the end of his life, pretty much. Or close to the end of his life. So we can assume that what we're about to read is going to give us insight into the end goal, into the end ambition that Paul had and what it looks like. So if you're up for the challenge, let's go. Uh, Acts 28 verse 30 says, For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. Do you think we can reverse engineer some of the mechanics of a healthy ambition from Paul's end of the road? Healthy ambition? I think so. So let's go to healthy mechanic of an ambition number three. Money is okay. Money is okay. What does he say right here? Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. Now, isn't it interesting that he talks about that? Because Paul has been you know, inviting churches along the way before to say, hey, if you want to support me, you can, you know, I can do my missionary trips. And Paul was amazing. I mean, he's just an amazing adventurer. When was the last time that you were taken out of a window to escape the bad guys so you could flee from the city, right? He was he was uh, shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake and survived. I mean, the story is epic. If you want to go to the book of Acts, you're going to be like, what? This guy lived all of that? And on top of that, he's a scholar, theologian, influencer. That is amazing. And not only that, he was okay at the end of the road. He had money. So I'm not talking about I'm going to manifest millions of dollars you know just manifest manifest money now no it was more like he attended Dave Ramsey's financial peace university right baby steps so that when he gets to the end of the road he's okay right money is okay I'll just do a little plug right here I had a I have this thing called christianpodcast.com and I had a conversation with the producer of the Chosen TV series, which is the first ever episodic production about the life of Christ. It's just it's a great show, unbelievable. Uh, they're doing it all with their own resources. They're not you know, following any of Hollywood's guidelines to do it. And I was talking to the executive producer of this show. So a guy of money, right? The guy that gives the money to fund Jesus' ministry in the 21st century. So we're talking about money, and you can check it out you know, on the Christian podcast. Just look it up, and maybe it's under my name, Christian Podcast and Beto. And I had this conversation with him, and I'm asking him, hey, what, like, I mean, you're a big businessman, right? What is money for you? 
It's like money, money is a tool. It's like money is not the end. No. Money gives us what we need so that we can produce this show. We got to pay actors. We got to pay for location. We got to pay like all kinds of things you got to pay when you're doing a big production. Right? He's like, we're not on a shoestring budget anymore because this thing's growing. You know, we want a billion people to watch this show. But money is not the end goal. Money is a tool. It's a resource. Can you see that in life's Paul? It says, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. Money is okay. Paul says in Philippians 4, I'm just going to read it. Uh, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret <laughs> of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's the context of that verse. So at the end of the ambition, he could do everything through Christ. He was okay with money. Now, mechanic of a healthy ambition number four that we can find in Acts 28. Healthy ambition stays humble. Point number four. So, how can we differentiate from an unhealthy ambition? Would you think that maybe an unhealthy ambition makes you the whole opposite, makes you untouchable? What do we read in, in Acts 28? He says, it says, He welcomed all who visited him. He's approachable. Right? A long time ago, I met the owner of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Um, baseball, baseball, baseball team, right? <laughs> um, some here love baseball. So anyways, I met him, and to my surprise, you know, like, this, this other guy I worked for was introducing me to him, and he came up to me and he gave me a handshake, like regular, plain, old-fashioned handshake. And I felt like, hey, that's pretty cool, right? This guy's worth billions, and he's still approachable enough to say, hey, what's up? I'll give you my, he didn't say what's up, but <laughs> give you a handshake, right? Now I'm not saying, hey, man, welcome everybody and just you know, be open to everybody. But Paul did. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the gospel. So, stays humble. You know, how do we differentiate from an unhealthy ambition, especially on this point of staying humble? Sometimes, you know, I, I've experienced this with, in my own personal walk as a family with my wife. Uh, you know, you're so focused on your ambition that you start cutting away everybody that's negative. Right? Just, amen, this is, this is my goal. And if you're negative enough for my considerations, I'm just cutting you off because you're getting in the way to my ambition. The total opposite of staying humble. Right? You're not approachable at all. Do you care about your employees? Or do you care only about what they care about your cares? Right? Are you approachable? So big red flags. 
when you start cutting away negative people. And sometimes you realize that, you know, if, if you're cutting away so many negative people in your life and you know, good vibes only type of thing, nobody's on your level. Do you ever consider the option that maybe you are the one that's negative? Right? If everybody else seems like it's on the negative side, but you, maybe that's a red flag to signal, hey, maybe the one that's being negative in the situation is you. Paul welcome all who visited him. So good. Paul invites us in Philippians 2. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. That sounds like a healthy Ambition. Now, point number five that we find in this Acts chapter 28 um, mechanic of a healthy ambition is a healthy ambition trains others, right? It educates others. It edifies others. You know, it's, uh, it's so cool how we read here that he was boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, my dad came to visit uh, a couple months ago, and my dad is a history buff, like you know, Pastor Mike would say. Like, he loves history. He reads, well, he read so many books throughout his life, and he can talk about, like, anything that happened anywhere in the world, you know, whether it was in ancient Rome, modern Europe, South America, even, I mean, he knows more of the history of the United States than me, and probably, I, I'm just going to say a lot of you know, even people here who live in America. He knows so much. And my wife, Millie, was telling me, wow, Beto, I mean, don't you wish, like, you could just download the chip from his brain into a USB and, like, plug it into you and, like, boom, loaded. I have all this knowledge, right? I, I, like, I know, like, he just passed it on to me. But it doesn't work that way. It says here that Paul boldly, boldly proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. It requires the intentionality of passing it on to others. A healthy ambition trains others. Right? Point number five. You pass it on to others. And then the point number six that we can find in the mechanics, and this, this is the last point of a healthy ambition, is that a healthy ambition dignifies you a healthy ambition dignifies you it says that no one could stop Paul from doing this now need I remind you that when Paul is doing this do you remember what's going on he's a prisoner right so even the guards that were you know, in charge of Paul even the guards respected him Right? A healthy ambition dignifies you. It doesn't matter what your situation might look like. Right? Paul, uh, uh, Paul faced you know, being in front of, of kings in chains. Right? And he always understood his position before God. I am a son of God. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a children of God. Right? Healthy ambition dignifies you. What's your reputation? What are you known for, right? 
Paul was known to be the one proclaiming and teaching about the kingdom of God. So, we have been reverse engineering Paul's ambition. And as we do that, and I ask you to think about your own ambition, and as we have stepped back, and now we look at our ambition over there, and we have hopefully stripped away some of the elements of our own ambition, your character is starting to show up, right? Can you see it? Can you find it? What are you left with? So if Paul was following a map, we find ourselves at the beginning of the road now. This is, as we reverse engineer our ambition, this is ground zero. So at your work, with your family, in your relationships, in your sexuality, where are you at? If you keep following the path that you're on, where are you going to end up? What have you learned about your own character? Or maybe you feel like a failure, right? As you step back and you're like, man, my, my, my ambition is, I feel like I've tried it many times and I failed. Right? Regardless of success, maybe, maybe you, you, you attain the goal and you still feel empty and you still feel lonely. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know that as we stripped away everything, all you have is your character. And you might say to me, Beto, I'm way too far gone. I'm too committed to go back. I'm past the point of no return. I don't want to start all over again with a new ambition. I don't have the strength. Well, my friends, maybe you need a reset. And if you are ready, let's find out the one thing that can help you reset. And we find it in another one of Paul's writings. And this is, in a sense, you know, if you're into like coaching like what is the one thing what is the the one action item the one step that i can take now to reset to restart when your ambition seems to fail let's go to philippians 3 verse 13 and this is paul kind of confessing a little bit of like i'm not there yet guys like i, I know that i have an ambition but i'm not there yet so he says right here, verse 13, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. If you need a reset, if you need a restart, Paul, the guy who accomplished at the end, right? The guy who, I mean, now we read scripture and he probably, I mean, what we read that Paul wrote is what we consider the New Testament pretty much, right? So influential. 
so su successful for the kingdom of God. And he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. May I suggest that the ultimate ambition is not even ours. The ultimate ambition is that Jesus is on his throne calling us to him. Right? Where is Paul now? If you think about it, we just read that Paul is in Rome. Finally, he tried to get to Rome so many times again and again. Finally gets there, has money, welcoming everybody that came there, had a good life. I mean, yeah, we'll just stop right there. But And then he says that really the one that was calling him is Jesus, right? Paul's no longer in Rome my friends, Paul, it was, it's with his Lord. So what is your ultimate ambition? Because for, for Jesus, his ultimate ambition is that you'll spend eternity with him. And the word we use, or the word that actually Jesus used to reset, to restart, to reframe things, it's called repentance. He said it again and again. Jesus said, I come here so that you repent. What do you repent from? Well, unhealthy ambitions. The ambitions that are going to take you to the end of your goal, but may not take you to eternity with Him. Where do you want to be? So without a doubt, you didn't choose who showed up on the day you were born. Did you? I don't think so. But you were born. And you might be able to choose who attends your wedding, right? Who's ever been to a wedding? Somebody invited you, right? Normally, the, the people getting married. You might impact people enough to show up to your funeral. You're not going to be there. <laughs> You're not going to be at your funeral, but the people that you impacted might show up, right? But here's the ultimate test of faith from Jesus Christ. Have you ever considered who do you want to spend eternity with? Who do you want to spend eternity with? And here's the thing that are you okay if heaven is full of your enemies? <laughs> because Paul used to be an enemy of the church. He was persecuting the church until Jesus spoke to him bluntly and he said, hey, you're persecuting me. And then Paul was, Paul's life was completely turned around and now he had a healthy ambition to preach the good news to the Gentiles and to start where nobody else had started. My friends, let's stand up. We're going to get communion together. And I want us to pray before we do so because communion is a beautiful picture of what heaven looks like. 
It's a beautiful picture of all the healthy ambitions that Paul had. It's a beautiful picture of welcoming one another. And the ultimate person that's welcoming us is Jesus Christ has preparing a table, has been preparing a table for us in heaven. So let's stand up. Michael's going to come up. We're going to sing one last song as we do so. And we're going to take the elements together. Thank you for listening to the Palm Harvest Podcast. We would love to get to know you. So download the Palm Harvest app for free and fill out our connection card. Your continued support helps us spread hope around the world. You can also give in our app and find out more about our community.